0: Welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. In this HCI podcast episode, I talk with Stacia Garr about diversity, equity, inclusion, and belonging efforts in organizations and how they are utilizing technology. Stacia Gar, welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast.
1: Thank you so much for having me today.
0: Yeah, I'm super excited to have this conversation. Uh, you are involved in some really interesting research and a really uh, interesting space, something that I'm very passionate about myself. You do a lot of work in diversity, equity, inclusion, and belonging, um, particularly within the technology market. So that's going to be the focus of our conversation today. As we get launched though, before we really jump into the conversation, I wanted to share uh, your bio with everyone. Stacia Gar is co-founder and principal analyst at Red Thread Research. She's a thought leader on talent management, leadership, diversity and inclusion, people analytics, and HR technology. A frequent speaker and writer, her work has been featured in Fortune, Forbes, the New York Times, the Wall Street Journal, as well as in numerous HR trade publications. Stacia co-founded Red Thread Research in 2018 after leading talent and workforce research for eight years at Burson by Deloitte. Before Burson, she spent nearly five years conducting research and creating learning content for the Corporate Leadership Council and... She has an MBA from the University of California, Berkeley, a master's degree from the London School of Economics, and undergraduate degrees uh, from Randolph-Macon Women's College. Uh, Such a pleasure to have you. I really appreciate you taking the time to join me today and share all of your insights and expertise with my listeners. Welcome to the podcast. And anything else that you would like to share by way of background uh, or personal context before we really launch into the conversation.
1: Well, no, I'm not sure I expected you to read the whole thing, so (laughs) I'm sure people know a lot more about me, Um, but but no, I'm just delighted to be here and and speaking about this really important topic today, so thank you.
0: Wonderful, wonderful, and yeah, you have quite the career trajectory. You've been involved in the research space for a really long time. Um, As a scholar practitioner myself, um, you know, I'm a professor, I do consulting on the side, um, and you know, so I, I can really appreciate the amount of time and effort and work that goes into good data collection, good analysis, and then finding ways to to effectively communicate that back to stakeholders uh, and organizational leaders in a way that it's usable, right? That they can they can actually act upon it. And you know, I, I think in in the consulting world, there's long been a history of data analysis and research reports. Sometimes where the gap um, has existed is just in that application, you know, so so you don't get this really cool report with all this, this interesting, compelling data, and then you have an, a short meeting about it, you talk about it, and then you put it on the shelf and you don't think about it. And unfortunately, yeah. that's what many organizations in the past have done. Um, part of the reason why I have you on the podcast today is so we can... Um, share with with listeners across industries uh, who lead in different types of organizations on what this might mean for them and hopefully get the the thought process going in the in the the process of uh, implementing some actionable items even within their own organization so as we launch in tell us a little bit more about the background to this research that you're doing um, in the DE&I space and, and then we can get into uh, more of the, the findings.
1: Yeah, sure. So I had begun researching um, diversity and inclusion, actually, when I was back at Deloitte and was leading our research at Burson on, you know, things like a diversity and inclusion maturity model. What does that look like? How should we be thinking about this whole space? And one of the things that was most interesting at that time when I was doing the work, it was, I think, 2013, was I would ask practitioners, I'd say, you know, um, you know, we go through all these great things they were doing. And I'd say, okay, well, you know, tell me about the technology that you're using to enable this. And I would get crickets, just like, uh, "What are you talking about?" You know. And in every other area of research I had done, there was always some tech aspect, whether it's performance management or successions or hypos, you know, all these other spaces. But there was just nothing, except for people would say, "Well, do you mean e-learning content?" And I was like, "Well, not exactly," <laughs> you know. Or, "Or do you mean, um, con- You know, making uh content accessible on the computer for people?" And I'm like, "That's important, but no, that's not really what I'm going for." So anyway, so I kind of set that to the side and said, that's interesting, like it's interesting there's this gap, but we went on and we wrote our reports and did the rest of that. Um, and then as it as it turned out, I was um, out on maternity leave um, in 2017, and, you know, <laughs> there's nothing like sleep deprivation combined with like an active mind to kind of make you go a little crazy. Uh, but I was, you know, kind of toward the end of that starting to look around and being like, "What? what's like what's gonna come next? Like what's the next thing? And um it was right at the time that me too was really taking off. And I started, you know, I had maybe a little bit more extra time to scroll on my phone than I had before. And I was, you know, just looking, I was like, you know what? I think DNI tech is a thing. I think it's gonna be something that's that's important. Um, kind of fast forward a little bit of time for various reasons, decided to to leave and start Red Thread with my co-founder Danny Johnson. And because of kind of that experience of reflection in that time I'd had a little bit away from things, I felt like this is a thing. So we began, it was actually the first piece of research that we did with um, Red Thread. And we began it actually in a, a partnership with Mercer, which was, which was really nice, um, particularly being a new firm at that time, kind of getting started. And we um, went out, and I thought that we'd find out on now. 30 companies that were maybe doing this. And by the time we finished that first piece of research, which uh, ultimately published in the final version published in uh, January, 2019, in that study, we had 105 vendors. And then you, you know, contrast. Fast forward to now, two years later, after that one published, and we're all the way up at 196. So, you know, kind of that. That I feel like it's been a real journey with this work. You know, that first piece in 2019 was pretty, pretty groundbreaking in, in saying that this is a market. And now, as we reflect on what we've learned here in just the last two years, it is even more so of a market, and has just gained incredible steam, um, particularly after the events of last summer.
0: Excellent. I, I really appreciate that background and the the origins of the firm and uh, your background in the research. So, in this DEI and, and and belonging space and in the the HR tech components, what did you find in in looking at these vendors and what they're doing or where the gaps are? I, I'm just really curious about some of those key um, findings that came out of that.
1: Yeah. So, I think you know for for those who kind of don't. Maybe haven't spent any time with this space and are like, what, what even is this? Um, You know, I think that the first thing to know about this, about um, this space is, is one, it's not like some of the others where there's just a a single vertical, right? There's not just one area of, of focus. Um, And so I think, you know, we see D and I technology going across the entire talent life cycle. And so there are different things that can apply to different, different areas. But um, fundamentally, what is it? We define it as enterprise software that provides insights or alters processes or practices at the individual or organizational level in support of organizations becoming more diverse, equitable, inclusive, and fostering belonging. And so, you know, back to my earlier point about when people are like, is it e-learning? Is it, you know, I think the key difference is that it provides insights or alters processes or practices. That's, that's the thing that this does. And so we see it within talent acquisition. We see it within um, uh, development and advancement. We see it with retention. We see it specifically with analytics. The other way to kind of think about this market is that um, we see three types of vendors. One are what we call DEI focused vendors. So those are vendors who only focus on um, including, enhancing diversity, equity, inclusion, and belonging. Um, so that might be a vendor who just looks at pay equity analysis, just just to pick one. Um, a the other another type of vendor is what we call a f- feature vendor. So that's a vendor whose primary business is something else, but they have added a capability that focuses on DEIB that is kind of its own. Feature set they go to market with it. It's it's you know a core part of what they do. So an example of that might be um, Workday, who recently launched a Vibe Index. Um, Vibe stands for Valuing Inclusion, Belonging, and Equity. Um, so that, that you know Workday obviously does a whole bunch of other things, but this is a thing for them. Um, the third type of vendor is a DEIB friendly vendor, and so the ideas is, is there. There is that. Um, they focus on something else, they may kind of have some marketing around DEIB, but it's not really a thing for them. But as a result of some of the things that they do, there could be DEIB benefits. So think about talent acquisition software that may um, reduce bias as a result of, you know, having an algorithm that uh, does the first round of assessing potential candidates. There's a whole conversation on algorithms and bias but just for the sake of this this discussion that's that's kind of what it is so i want to kind of set that stage before i go into some of these details of what we found because i think without that it's a little bit harder to kind of get your head around but i'll pause there um any any questions on that
0: no that's great i really appreciate that uh, bit of an overview um and so then the the devil's in the details like what did you uh what did you find
1: yeah so a few things from from the last study one, and this is, I think, important, kind of getting the context that I started with, in that we, we're looking at the first study with Me Too, um, and that is that we've seen a real shift overall in the market and, and in practitioners' focus from um, focus on gender to a focus on um, ethnicity. Race and ethnicity, excuse me, um, as largely as a result of what we saw last summer, um, and and that's fueling a lot of the energy overall within within this space. Um, a second thing, and I mentioned this earlier, is that we've seen just a really significant number of vendors come into this space. So two years ago, when we published, it was one hundred and five. Now it's one hundred and ninety six. So it's just a substantial um, increase the the other thing is is that we saw almost um, a flip when i mentioned those feature vendors and those friendly vendors so the number of friendly vendors has gone down dramatically um, while the number of feature vendors has gone up substantially and what that means is that a lot of vendors said hey deib is really important we need to add in a, a deib feature to our offering um, another key finding was that people analytics for DEIB has really arrived. There have been a number of reasons that have maybe uh, resulted in vendors focusing just on compliance, so EEOC compliance representation numbers and the like, um, but that has shifted, and I believe there are a number of reasons for that. One is the overall rise in the um, uh, people analytics and people analytics tech space. Um, also, though, I think that leaders are seeing that the potential reputational risk of not understanding DEIB is greater than the potential legal risk, which may have kept them from doing this analysis, and so that has also fueled this focus. Um, And then the the fifth finding we had, which was heartening, was that um, when we did the study in 2019, a lot of the customers were really smaller customers, and, and that's typical of a new market. You know, you have smaller companies who are willing to try new things, and they're um, willing to innovate and willing to take on more risks and the like. Um, we didn't necessarily see a large number of our biggest companies in the market, but what we, we did see was more of those companies who are in kind of the 10,000 to 25,000 range um, became, becoming customers of these vendors. And so what that says to me is, is that this is starting to normalize a lot more, and we're starting to see these customers see value in what these vendors potentially offer.
0: I'm excited to announce the publication of my new book from HCI Press, The Alchemy of Truly Remarkable Leadership, Ordinary Everyday Actions That Produce Extraordinary Results. will help you to explore your own leadership competencies and capabilities and consider ways to apply and implement them into your workplace and personal life. That's super fascinating. Um, And I'm curious, what, what surprised you the most? As you're looking through all of this, and I mean, in addition, you already kind of mentioned the the growth, right? I, I think yeah. that was a big surprise. What else stuck out to you in terms of what you didn't expect?
1: Yeah, I didn't. I thought that we were going to see more large vendors. Large customers of vendors, like I, I, it's it's nice to see that that group of ten to twenty five percent. But it wasn't it wasn't hugely dramatic. It was um, I don't have the number actually right in front of me, but it was something like you know ten percent increase of, of that type of vendor, and then the commensurate decrease in in the smallest ones. But given how you know Me Too kind of lit the world on fire, given that we've known that our largest organizations still have such challenges. And the fact that, um, you know, if you look at something like Edelman's trust barometer, we know that the largest organizations are the ones that the public distrusts the most to actually do things right when it comes to social justice. Um, I would have hoped, or I did hope and was surprised not to see a larger percentage of the biggest organizations starting to buy this tech because they're the ones who have the scale. And the whole, you know, obviously the whole thing with tech is it scales. And so they have the ones who have the most to gain, and yet they were the least, uh, we saw the lowest, uh, we actually saw no change in the percentage of those those customers in the market. So that, that was surprising and I think a little bit disheartening Um, my hope though is particularly after we heard all of the kind of public stands that were made after the last June um, and then we know that there's going to be a real push for accountability here in 2021 my hope is that those folks are like literally calling these vendors now and saying how can you help me how can you help me respond to the CEO saying we have to share this and you know the SEC is now requiring that uh, reporting on human capital metrics so how can you help me as it relates to DEIB to say something that's meaningful that will fulfill that obligation? So that's my hope, um, but it was an, an unfortunate surprise, I think.
0: Yeah, yeah. And I think that's a, that's a good, reasonable hope. Um, mm-hmm. and, and so I, I am curious, what have you seen um, companies doing in terms of these, the, these new offerings, these new technologies um, to deliver better on their diversity commitments, um, both internally but for external reporting, for the PR element, for, for all of that, how are they leveraging these technologies?
1: Yeah, well, I think one thing to, that we all have to remember is that um, practices and changes precede numbers by usually at least a couple of years. Right. And so we're going to see folks investing in these technologies and doing making practice changes. And we're probably realistically not going to see the results till 2023. And that's really hard to say, particularly for organizations that live quarter by quarter, but um, that's the reality with, with a lot of this stuff, because you're not only dealing with um, necessarily a diversity challenge in terms of getting more diverse voices and and backgrounds and people into the organization, but you're also dealing with an inclusion, equity, and belonging challenge. And that is fundamentally a culture challenge. And we all know that culture takes a long time to change. So I'm not trying to dodge your (laughs) question, but I think that's an important thing to remember.
0: No, that, that is. And, and uh, A lot of what you've been talking about, which I really, really appreciate, is is the connection of belonging and the the culture of inclusion and belonging to diversity and equity. So a lot of times we talk about DE&I, and and the belonging piece is kind of left off. Um, And why is that so important? Like, why do organizational leaders need to have that on the forefront of their mind um, why does that matter, and why have we seen that evolution in the DE and I space?
1: Yeah, it's funny because, like, it's it. We actually, as I think you'll you see from the report, we we stuck all four together. Like, because there's there's some people who are t- talking about DEI, there's people talking about DIBs, Diversity, Inclusion, and Belonging, and we think that all of them have value and importance, and so we have just put the acronym together. <laughs> um, but, but why is it important? Um, it's important because uh, if people don't have that sense of belonging and connection to the organization, some of those other well, really, all those other elements are hard to achieve, and so you know, equity is is kind of about ensuring um, the equitable access to to opportunities, and so that doesn't mean equal; it's it's different, obviously. Um, you know, diversity. I think we have a, a decent sense on that, and and then inclusion kind of is that idea that everyone feels that they have um, uh, that they're connected to the organization, but but belonging is different. It's a, it's not just that I'm connected, but it's that this is my place this is somewhere that I am, you know, kind of have that deeper emotional connection to. And so these three things, they're interrelated, but they're, or four things, excuse me, uh, interrelated, but different, but they, I think they're all important to creating these cultures and these environments where each of them can thrive.
0: Absolutely. I completely agree. And ultimately I think while diversity and equity are super important, if if that's where we stop, I'm not sure it really matters much like get getting a more diverse workforce does have value in and of itself, but in terms of leveraging the value of diversity and equity that does the, the, the leveraging of that value and then really allowing individuals, perhaps from underrepresented populations, you know, who are now being included because of those efforts. That's wonderful. If we're trying to empower them and help them, achieve their potential that will then also help the organization achieve its potential. That doesn't happen until we get to that culture piece of inclusion and belonging. Uh, And you can conceivably have, you know, a, a diverse workforce without having an inclusive workforce or a sense of belonging where people actually feel like they have safe, a safe place to contribute and be their authentic self. And, and I think that without that, we're at least not maximizing the potential of what we have there
1: yeah for sure for sure and i think you know i know it, it i didn't intentionally dodge your question about what companies are doing um i think that that point is actually where there's greatest some of the greatest opportunity with the technology um around this idea of you know diversity is is easier to measure but um inclusion and belonging that we are, I would say we've seen a really big change in the last couple of years in our ability to use technology. One to help us to measure it, but also to help us understand it. And then increasingly, particularly in this more remote world to use technology to promote it. so on the measurement, for, just to give an example, you know, we're seeing a lot more um, belonging and inclusion indices, um, many of them being offered by the uh, existing employee engagement providers, but but recognizing that it's not the same thing as engagement. It often actually is a strong driver, particularly belonging of engagement, but it's not the same. Um, but we're seeing kind of those, those indices coming out. Um, we're also seeing things like using organizational network analysis to understand how people are connected to one another and which groups maybe are at the fringes of networks and what whether or not that has something to do with um, their diversity status. And so, and if that's the case, then intentionally designing interventions, which can help connect those people more thoroughly into the network in a way that certainly will um, benefit them professionally, but also will benefit the whole organization because their voices will be heard much better. Um, And then I think, you know, kind of the, the final piece here is around uh, starting to think through what, how can we use our technology in our remote environments potentially differently? Because we know that, like for instance, back to the network piece, we know that people have become more siloed during. Um, the, the pandemic, because they're primarily, you know, there isn't that bumping into somebody in the hallway, there's, you know, intentional Zoom meetings. um And, and that's that's different. And so we're starting to see people, you know, think about using um, different online platforms um, within organizations differently, maybe um, bringing in recognition programs that encourage more connection between different, different groups and the like. So I think that this is an area that we're starting to see take off as people are thinking through, okay, like the, even though this started with the pandemic, you know, More remote work is not going to end with the pandemic. Um, And so how do we make sure that that is reinforcing in a good way, the diversity, equity, inclusion, belonging goals that we have in an organization, as opposed to allowing it to decrease our effectiveness at reaching them?
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, Stacia, it's been a real pleasure talking with you. The time has flown by. We're almost to the end of our time together, um, though I know we could dig a whole lot deeper and, and continue, perhaps I could have you back on in the future and we could continue the conversation. Um, but before we close today, I did want to give you a chance to share with listeners how they can get connected with you, how they can find out more about your organization, uh, more about your recent research and see, you know, how you might be able to help them.
1: Yeah, definitely. So we are at, um, www.redthreadresearch.com. We are a membership organization. So that means that folks can join the membership and get access to the research. Though we do have quite a few things that are available um, for free on the site. And I would say kind of there's a number of research organizations certainly in the space. I would say that where we are focused is really on the most cutting edge practices and trying to solve what we call near future problems. So that is our, our big focus. We, we don't, um, you know, we're probably not going to write your per- report on the nuts and bolts of succession management, but on, you know, how we should be rethinking career mobility in the era of the pandemic. That is the sort of stuff we're doing, actually, and that we'll be publishing in a couple of weeks. So um, thank you so much for giving us the opportunity to come on and, and share what we're doing, and we'd love to connect with anybody. Um, you can find me on LinkedIn, I'm Stacia Sherman gar and I'm also on Twitter, which is at Stacia Gar.
0: Wonderful, wonderful. Thank you, Stacia. It's it's been a real pleasure talking with you. And I look forward to having you back in the future so we can continue the conversation. I encourage listeners to reach out, get connected, find out more about uh, what Stacia and her company can do for you, find out how you can leverage their research and start to think along the lines of what you can do within your own organization around these diversity, equity, inclusion, and belonging efforts and how you're utilizing technology. And As always, I hope everyone within this pandemic environment can stay healthy and safe. I hope you can find meaning and purpose at work each and every day, and I hope you all have a great week. We are excited about the launch of HCI's new magazine, Human Capital Leadership.